What are the kids into? Oh, now? Santos! There's finally, they're finally oh. doing yeah. an so ethics investigation. The gift that keeps on well, you know, I read that that Santos is actually planning, of course, to run for re-election already because he's gotten so much publicity, and that really is the aim of it, isn't it? What Wait a, a minute! What not, a country! Not just re-election. There's someone who works for him who's planning his presidential bid. <laughs> oh God! Are you serious? Serious. Welcome to the political scene, a weekly discussion about the big questions in American politics. I'm Susan Glasser, and this is the favorite part of my week when I'm joined by my colleagues Evan Osnos and Jane Mayer. Hi, guys. Hey, Susan. Hi there. So, look, it's fair to say that all three of us have been absolutely hooked on the revelations about Fox News, which have been coming out of the Dominion Voting System's defamation lawsuit. The filings are a remarkable peak. You might even call it an x-ray at the inner workings of one of the most powerful TV networks in America, not to mention a window into Republican politics today and in the future. In a bombshell filing this week, we saw text messages and emails from inside Fox itself revealing what we suspected but didn't yet have proof of, that Fox hosts and executives didn't seem to believe what their own network was saying about the 2020 election. No less than Rupert Murdoch himself admitted as much in a deposition released this week. So the stakes here, of course, could not be higher for Fox News itself. Depending on the outcome of this case, they could be on the hook to pay something like $1.6 billion in damages that Dominion is asking. But I also think it's an important story about where politics are right now and looking ahead to the 2024 presidential contest. But Evan, let's start a little bit with a brief history. How did we even get to this point? Yeah, this is a case that if you were not paying attention to it at the beginning, you are definitely paying attention to it now. You know, this was filed in March of 2021 by Dominion Voting Systems. People remember that they became a kind of favorite target on Fox News in the aftermath of the election. They were being accused of all kinds of ridiculous and wild accusations. I mean, that they were being controlled by Venezuelan dictators. And, and, and uh, you know, as they laid out in their complaint at the time, they said this led to death threats. There were harassment within the company. But also, interestingly, they said that really this was about more than just them and their employees. It was about democracy. And, you know, at the time that sounded like, OK, maybe that's just sort of high minded uh, legal language that they're going for. But actually what we've since learned is this extraordinary narrative of what was going on inside the company. I mean, what's really remarkable about this case and the reason why I think it sort of demands so much attention, why we have devoted a whole show to it is that it gives you the thing we almost never get, which is the conversation among the participants, behind the scenes, among the executives, among the hosts, actually saying out loud to one another questions about what do they really believe or how much does it matter what they believe, how much is it going to cost them. All of these issues about money, ideology, truth, lies, it's all right there. Well, the lawsuit, of course, comes out of the 2020 election and Donald Trump's refusal to accept defeat in it. Uh, and the question here is whether Fox's own coverage uh, contributed to the events of January 6, 2021. If you actually listened to Fox News in that period of time, Evan, what would you have heard? What are we actually talking about in this lawsuit? 
If you had turned on Fox News in that period and watched people like Lou Dobbs and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity, what you would have heard over and over again is that there is this potentially catastrophic crime being committed against the United States. Several days ago, Dominion came under heavy fire after allegations that their machines caused thousands of votes in one Michigan county to be switched from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. Giuliani suggested that electronic vote counting is an invitation to fraud. And he's right. There has to be a bipartisan examination of everything that went wrong in this election. Many Americans do not believe that this election was fair. And make no mistake, every American has a right to feel that way. I feel that way. And that over and over, day after day, that was the message. And so you had people like Sidney Powell. Remind Who was she again? Sidney Powell was a lawyer who was very prominent in promoting some of the most wild and crazy theories about what these voting systems might have done. It can set and run an algorithm that probably ran all over the country to take a certain percentage of votes from President Trump and flip them to President Biden. Meanwhile, internally, inside Fox... You had people saying to one another that Sidney Powell, in Tucker Carlson's words, is lying, a crazy person, an unguided missile. But that's not what you were hearing on there. Well, airways. remember, she was the one who said we want to release the, the Kraken. Well, good, because whatever that is, mythic monster, the Kraken. We're still waiting for the Kraken. Rudy Giuliani, he was another one who appeared often on the airwaves after the election. And he was on the airwaves. He was sort of allowed to spout his theories. And we have a machine, the Dominion machine, that's as filled with holes as Swiss cheese and uh, was developed to steal elections. Meanwhile, internally, Rupert Murdoch was describing Rudy Giuliani. And I'm reading here from from this material as saying, quote, really crazy stuff and damaging. But you sure weren't hearing that on Fox's airwaves. Well, and what's amazing, of course, Gene, is that this is, you know, normally – you don't have this kind of discovery in a case, right? The conventional wisdom is for a company like Fox, of course you don't let a case like this proceed. You would settle it, do anything rather than to have these embarrassing revelations about your own executives come public as part of a discovery process. So why didn't that happen, Jane? Well, Dominion is not accepting settlement. They, they, they actually want this dirty laundry out there. And I think it's to all of our benefit because what you're getting to see is the most extraordinary thing. It's kind of what we all suspected might be going on inside Fox. Um, you know, I've, I've spent months at times writing about Fox News and you imagine that this might be what happens in the, you know, the, the C-suites there. But you could never really see it except for a, a, a case like this. And, and, and Dominion won't settle, won't take the money. They want to just keep pushing. And so we've actually got a uh, deposition from Rupert Murdoch himself. He's 92 years old, one of the most powerful people in the world. And even he has to sit there and answer the questions. And and wow, it was really something. <laughs> well, I know. So, okay. So here's our own. It's basically like a real life episode of succession Mm. uh, that we're seeing here uh, in Rupert Murdoch's own words. There's so many details. I have to say, like, it's almost 200 pages this week's uh, filing. The the other filing was well over 100 pages. I've sort of gobbled up all of it 
I want to ask everybody, what is their favorite of these damning details? I, I know my own, but Evan, you you jump in first. You know, I think there was a particularly telling moment that was right before the January 6th insurrection. And at one point, Rupert Murdoch understood that there was this opportunity for Fox to do something, to kind of put out the message across their devoted viewers where they could change the narrative, where they could say, you know, what if Hannity – and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram all got on the air and said something like, the election is over and Joe Biden won. And he said at the time, he said, you know, he hoped that it would go a long way to stop the Trump myth that the election was stolen. By the way, that is him acknowledging that it was a myth. And yet the reaction he gets from Suzanne Scott, the CEO, is, and I'm quoting here, that those hosts are, quote, privately they are all there, meaning they agree that this is a myth but, quote, we need to be careful about using the shows and pissing off the viewers. And so they made no such statement. That's an extraordinary thing. I, I, you know, I also feel like we have to say Fox's claim here is that they were exercising their First Amendment and that what they were doing was simply reporting on the news, as wild as those claims were. And what you get in this case is this line-by-line refutation of that argument. I mean, what you can see is there's a calculation the people running Fox have no compunction about lying. They are trying to figure out how many lies do they need to tell in order to keep their audience so that they don't lose the ratings. They're afraid of losing the ratings. All right, so but what's your from, favorite quote? Okay, my favorite, I think the iconic phrase that came out of this from my standpoint was Rupert Murdoch saying, when they put on my pillow man and he goes there and tells preposterous lies about the election, it's not red, it's not blue, it's green. What we are hearing is the head of Fox News saying, Hey, it's not about helping one side or the other in politics. It's about the money. You know, and he even, I think, if you look at this, he thought that was going to be something of a defense. He's trying to say, well, you know, it's not really malice. We weren't trying to push one side for political views. It's just a business. In fact, that statement from him just shows just the pure venality of this operation. Well, you know, what's so remarkable, I have, I have a different Murdoch quote because it really is amazing to hear Murdoch himself, right, and, and to hear him saying this. And the thing that is incredible to me is that he has an email uh, just a couple days after January 6th to a former Fox executive in which he says very clearly, well, we're done with Donald Trump. And he uses, he says, we're, quote, pivoting, unquote. But he says, we want to make Donald Trump a non-person. That's, quote, a non-person, yeah. which is just such a cutting uh, statement by Murdoch. But I think it's also, it reflects something that puts us right back in the incredibly awkward, tense politics of the moment for Republicans right now and in the aftermath of January 6th. They want to pivot at least the establishment, the Murdochs of the GOP, they want to pivot from Donald Trump, but they can't. They can't. You know, they created this monster uh, and they can't figure out how to extricate themselves in part because of Jane's quote, the green. The green uh, is a problem because they, they made an audience of Trump junkies and then the Trump junkies don't want to stick with the news channel. They prefer Trump's alternate news. And it's just, it's such an amazing I mean, thing. All, I, I totally agree. I mean, but in all this time, people have been trying to figure out, is Trump really the power that's running Fox or is um, Murdoch the power that's running Trump? 
turns out it's not really either. It's the base. It's the viewers who they have created, who they have spun up into such an angry mob that they then have to keep catering to them for fear that they'll lose the viewers and then start losing money. Well, and I, I mean, I the other the, the along those lines, along with the it's not red, it's not blue, it's green. I, I, I will never forget. I think the the the, the quotes from Tucker Carlson, who's absolutely in a panic about the possibility that Fox's stock price is falling mm. because after the they've called the election honestly in Arizona for Biden, who's won the state, viewers are getting mad and they're going over to a rival right-wing news operation, Newsmax. And Tucker Carlson, who goes out every night looking like he's so tough and, you know, bullying everybody else, it turns out he's in a meltdown over the possibility that they might earn less money because they're losing their couple of their viewers. It's it's really just incredibly revealing. Well, to go back to this question of, you know, sort of the Fox predicament being the Republican Party's predicament right now, I, it does strike me, Evan, that the the panic is not just over money, but it actually is like the Trump trap is the is the audience is the voters themselves. They've created. Uh, it's not Trump that's even the biggest problem for them. It is their own audience, and it's very indicative to me that basically the strategy for the Fox Empire these last two years has been to freeze out Donald Trump, and yet they haven't disavowed sort of that Trumpism. Tucker Carlson is still essentially ranting about the same things that he was ranting about before. They've just transferred their affections almost entirely to Ron DeSantis, who has literally been on hundreds of times on Fox since in the last two years since they've frozen out Donald Trump. And I wonder what you make of that. You know, they're not disavowing this kind of Trumpism because that seems to be what their audience wants. They just want to get rid of the troublesome guy. Yeah. One of the things that is really fascinating to watch, and this has been partly exhumed by reporting in places like the Tampa Bay Times and in Politico, is the process of the wholesale generation of a campaign phenomenon around Ron DeSantis. I mean, if you haven't been following the details, it's, you really have to understand what happened here. An email, for instance, that was produced by the Freedom of Information Act, this is about communication between the Ron DeSantis operation and Fox News, quoted one of the people inside Fox News as saying to Ron DeSantis's people, quote, we see him as the future of the party. Now, you might say, OK, well, that's just, you know, the, the, the journalist trying to get this guy on the air. But if you actually add up all of the different times that he went on the air, you know, he was on Hannity eight times, Tucker Carlson six times. And in fact, one of the unforgettable details is that he appeared on Laura Ingram's show seven times, which is the same number of times that he met with his own lieutenant governor, according to his public calendar. So if you want to understand his priorities... It was Fox, Fox, Fox. And if you want to understand Rupert Murdoch's priorities, it's DeSantis, DeSantis, DeSantis. And you can see that in all of his media properties. So you can see in the New York Post, they're calling him the future, possibly. Remember, that was their one pun. And when when Trump decided to announce his bid for re-election, they belittled him as Florida man says he's running for president, um, you know, and, and stuck it in like page somewhere stuck inside the, the newspaper. Um, 
So, you know, they're doing their best. But actually, I don't know if any of you have seen the film clips. It was quite funny um, where one of the Fox hosts um, is on location in DeSantis's hometown and oh, at, at, a, at a diner and goes around and asks everybody in hopes of showing this incredible boom for DeSantis that, <laughs> that Fox wants to portray. And they go from table to table saying, who are you favoring for 2024? And one diner after the next says, Trump, 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 Trump. Finally, the you know interviewer goes up to a woman wearing a DeSantis T-shirt, hopefully thinking, well, at least here's one for him, and asks. And she says, yeah, maybe DeSantis, maybe Trump. You know, so <laughs> whether, the, whether Fox can really create this kind of wave for someone is really going to be an interesting sort of political science question because they, you know, they're tr- they couldn't be trying harder. This gets to something that, Susan, you raised earlier, which I think is kind of the subtext of this whole topic, which is about the, the way in which this phenomenon, the sort of Fox effect on the viewer, just jumped the boundaries of the laboratory and kind of wandered out like this Frankenstein out into our political lives. There was a moment actually, kind of a, a, a prescient note that Dana Perino wrote to one of the uh, a Republican strategist in which she said, and I'm reading here, this day of reckoning was going to come at some point where the embrace of Trump became an albatross we can't shake right away, if ever. So they knew what was happening, and yet they were either unwilling or, un- or incapable of stopping it. The political scene will be back in just a moment. There seems to be a pretty strong consensus out there in legal expert land that Dominion really has got Fox on the ropes here. It's very hard under our legal system to prove defamation, uh, to prove actual malice. That's the standard. It's really hard to do that. But this is the kind of evidence we've almost never seen. What do you make of it? Uh, Do you think that Fox is really in trouble? Would they have to pay $1.6 billion? Well, I mean, as as one uh, media lawyer said looking at this, if you had to choose which shoes you'd want to be in, you'd rather be in Dominion shoes than in Murdoch's. I mean, you could. I think it would be foolish to say for sure this is a shot case. Um, you know, it is a very high bar to reach. But if this is not actual malice, it's hard to say what is because, as we know, as reporters, what 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 the definition really is. People think it's it's not just having a malicious attitude. What it really is is knowing that something is false and damaging and saying it anyway, um, publicizing it anyway. And you can see in all of these texts that the people who ran Fox and their most famous hosts understood that what they were saying was false and they decided to say it anyway. And it's all laid out there in these documents. So, I mean, this is going to be a hard case to defend. Do you think, Evan, that this is, I mean, are you worried about this as a journalist? Does it concern you from a free speech point of view? There's always that, you know, classic, right, like bad cases make bad law. I'm, I'm a little worried that, you know, bad law comes out of this. Well, there, there is a degree to which we should all be vigilant against the idea of people bringing unscrupulous lawsuits against news organizations simply because they don't like the way they're being described. 
That's not what's going on here. I mean, this is a case in which the emails and the text messages and the communications themselves at the time, I find them actually even more persuasive, Jane, than the deposition. Because deposition is something you do after the fact. It's kind of this self-curated presentation. The emails at the time, the text messages tell the tale. You know, Tucker Carlson describing Sidney Powell, Trump's lawyer, as lying, a crazy person, an unguided missile, dangerous as hell, poison. I mean, that's what they were saying. And they were talking about Rudy Giuliani, crazy stuff. I mean, it's just one thing after another. It becomes very hard to see how they're then going to say, you know, we didn't know if what they were saying was true or not. And we were just reporting the news. So should we even call it Fox News? I I saw that this was a point that uh, that CNN's media analyst was making. I, look, I, I think that let's leave it to the courts to decide what they think. I mean, this is why we have the law. This is, you know, there's going to be a, a trial uh, that's set for April. I mean, all of this, everything we're talking about is just the pretrial elements of this. Uh, so we'll know eventually. But I think one thing we do know for sure is that they had a, a set of motives here that they, in effect, saw themselves as a political party and they saw themselves as a money generator. And news, if it was in there somewhere, seemed to have been a lower priority. So, Jane, I want to go back to this question of just how exceptional or, you know, off was the behavior that's at issue in the Dominion case and in what Fox did after the 2020 election. Because obviously, this is not the first time that there's been a pretty big case of, you know, gaslighting America from Fox News. And I'm wondering, you know, you've studied the history very closely, done amazing reporting on, you know, how this network works and the power that it wields over our politics. You know, I remember Barack Obama and the the birther controversy that was given a platform by Donald Trump and Fox News. I mean, you know, <laughs> there was this great line that Obama loves to use, right? I think he used it once on the Bill Maher show. He said, you know, like, if I was uh, listening to Fox, I wouldn't vote for me either. Uh, so is this lying actually different than what we've heard before? No, I mean, honestly, anybody who says they're surprised by this um, shouldn't be. Um, we've seen this. It's, it's, it's uh, and as you were saying, you know, the, the, the birther lie about Obama was spread by Fox in 2011. That was a long time ago now. They've been at this for quite a long time. Um, and and it, we also shouldn't be surprised that Rupert Murdoch was willing to trade away what he thought was true and what he supposedly believes in, in terms of his political ideals, in exchange for um, audience and 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 serving Trump because we've seen it before um, in 20, 2015 uh, Rupert Murdoch denounced Trump actually because of Trump's views on immigration Rupert Murdoch is an immigrant to America and he uh, criticized Trump's xenophobia and um, he didn't support Trump but when Trump won we saw Rupert Murdoch just sort of flip and 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 turn his whole network really into the closest thing we've ever had in America to state TV. Um, so we we have seen him do this before for the ratings, for the money, for the power, for the closeness to a president. People who know Rupert Murdoch say he's always wanted to be really close to a president. One of the things that comes to the surface, I think, has to be maybe a political scene rule about Washington, which is never underestimate the risks that somebody will take to get proximity 
to power. That is, in some ways, the underlying fact for so much of what we talk about on this show. We were talking about it about Lindsey Graham. We're talking about it about Trump. And part of the reason why Rupert Murdoch says that he's turned on Trump is not because he disagrees with his ideas or he finds him repellent. It's because he's a loser. And he thinks that DeSantis might be a winner. And so getting Fox, in effect, into that clinch again with the winner is is actually just proving the rule. I find that to be uh, one of those sort of durable principles that can explain a lot of actions that otherwise look inexplicable. Well, and of course, just this week we have uh, speaking about access and power. Uh, it it goes two ways. Republicans are still desperate to get the approval and the approbation of Fox. Just this week, we had Speaker Kevin McCarthy giving Tucker Carlson exclusive first access to 40,000 hours of footage from the Capitol of the January 6th insurrection. I should point out that Carlson has repeatedly uh, uh, portrayed the events at the Capitol on January 6th as if there was nothing much that happened. He has cast doubt on the uh, you know official narrative of the day. And you know even many Republicans are very uncomfortable with McCarthy's decision to do that. What do you think that tells us? You know, I I think McCarthy uh, recognizes that that's where his people are, to use the term that um, J.D. Vance used to describe people in uh, in Ohio. I mean, I think there is a way in which he knows that by releasing this information, it's going to be a massive distraction from what is actually the heart of American politics and what people are voting on. It can go in every different direction and he's, I think, making the gamble that it redounds to their benefit. But it is a tremendous gamble. I mean, I think there's a real concern here also and it's something we're seeing more broadly than in just this particular instance, which is a a number of conservative political figures – are really completely bypassing the mainstream media at this point. You've got DeSantis, who won't give an interview to any of the independent news organizations that might criticize him and that he can't control. He's only playing footsie with organizations like Fox. And um, and yeah, I think he just gave an interview to another Rupert Murdoch property, the News of the World, an English newspaper. Um, and you've got McCarthy just making a private deal, taking footage that is one of the most historic and terrible events that's happened in American history and handing it all over to a completely slanted news organization that he knows is going to edit it down in some way that serves his political agenda um, and feed some version of, of uh, disinformation probably to the American public. You know, and, and McCarthy basically said, oh, you're just jealous to the rest of the press. It's There's a principle beyond that, which is that the actual serious, fair-minded news organizations are being shoved out of covering a whole portion of American politics because the conservative wing of the of the Republican Party won't deal with them anymore. Well, I would I would point out that Joe Biden hasn't given a ton of interviews either. And in fact, both Biden and Obama have taken a pretty different approach to presidential communications as well in terms of increasingly speaking in venues and to people who are perceived to be more favorable to them. I think that's a macro trend in our politics. I don't know. And it's part of what's driving us apart. You know, I mean, I would, okay, just to <laughs> Disagree. I, the thing is, you in order to accept that as a sort of an equal, you know, two siderism thing, you have to suggest that that the New York Times, for instance, is the 
moral equivalent of Fox and that, you know, to go back to an earlier question about whether this suit is an important thing or a bad thing for the press, um, generally I am reflexively um, anti-defamation suit, anti-libel suit in favor of the press. I think it's a very important and possibly positive development in separating out organizations like Fox News from the actual real and serious news media that actually does care what's true. So it seems to me, Jane, that you are saying that you agree with uh, CNN's media person that they shouldn't call it Fox News anymore because it's not really news. I mean, they can call themselves whatever they want, <laughs> but I don't. I, I think that, uh, you know, I don't think that fair and balanced has ever been, which was the old motto for Fox News, has ever been taken seriously by anybody who really understands the news. It was invented to confuse people. Well, by, it's not their Roger motto Ailes. anymore, right? <laughs> you know what I think is amazing about this set of documents is that it now becomes, in a sense, a storehouse of information about how we understand the inner workings of these places, meaning there will always be a quote. You know, we sometimes joke that there's always a tweet for Trump. You can always go back and yeah, find and something. Always that's be sort of, something from there will these always files. be yeah. something in there now that can explains what is sometimes impossible to understand. And, you know, I think this thing is going to live on. Whatever happens in the trial, whatever happens in the case, we've now gotten, I think, some pretty important substance to fill in a chapter of American history. It's really as grand as history in trying to understand sort of what happened to politics in the last 25 years of the of, of you know, I mean, American my, politics. My guess, though, as someone who's watched Rupert Murdoch, is he's going to pretty quickly try to figure out um, how to sort of pretty up the picture – by tossing someone overboard um, and saying, oh, well, maybe it'll be Suzanne Scott's time for defenestration or maybe um, Jeanine Pirro. Or one, one, they'll, they'll say it's not really the rot at Fox. It was just a mistake that somebody made and they will get rid of them and, and suggest that, that, you know, they've cleaned themselves so up. So there's one I, – I think, you know, there's history here in both directions. But let's bring it back to – Donald Trump, the man himself, because part of the problem with Murdoch's theory of how Fox might get out of this is that dumping Trump hasn't proved to be all that easy for them, not to mention that it's gotten them embroiled in this uh, $1.6 billion lawsuit. Right now, right now, while Trump is basically banned from Fox, he continues to be the front runner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. So, I mean, how do we see this tumult around Fox actually affecting Trump himself and his candidacy? You know, I think it is meaningful that he's not going to be on those airwaves in the way he was before. I, I don't think there's any way that doesn't have an impact. Um, but I think that the train has already gone so far down the track on this when it comes to the public attitudes that really it's the base that's leading the network. And I do want to draw attention, at, you know, at the risk of announcing a second thing in here that I found incredibly interesting. There was one exchange that you just have to focus on, which is between Rupert Murdoch and his son Lachlan. At one point, one of the board members had said, you know, is there a way in which we can, in effect, signal to the public, signal to the base that it's time uh, to take a stand against these deceptions. And Lachlan Murdoch, who's running the company, asks his father, 
for advice. And his father replies, we have to lead our viewers, which is not as easy as it might seem, which in the end was his way of saying we're not going to do anything. But that's at this point, they recognize that they're not really driving this train. So, um, Jane, I'll give you the last word. You've seen many iterations of this. Is it possible that Fox and Donald Trump might reunite once again after all? So possible. I mean, I, I, if, if, <laughs> if, if, if Donald Trump takes off again, leads the pack on the, in the Republican 2024 presidential race, you will see Fox buy right back in again if that's where the viewers are and that's where the dollars are. Evan? The I'm color is able, green. I'm not going to be able to say anything green. clearer than that. <laughs> All right. Evan, Jane, thanks very much. Thanks, Susan. Great to be with you. This has been The Political Scene. I'm Susan Glasser. We had production assistance today from Alex D'Elia and Dan Richards. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Allison Leighton Brown. So we're taking a break next Friday, but we'll be back for the following week. We hope you'll join us then. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks.